some stuff from this guy. He's an, uh, not to bore you, he's, he's an apolo- apologist for the gospel. And that doesn't mean we apologize for the gospel. <laughs> Hello? That doesn't mean we say, well, I'm sorry for the gospel. It means we defend it. And he's a defender of the gospel. And he actually just went to a campus. He goes to, to uh, universities and places around the world that are atheist strongholds. And he teaches atheists that God's real. And he converts them into believing that God's real through argument, through reason, through intellect and wisdom from God. And uh, he just wrote a new book, and it's called Why Suffering? And when I heard it, I thought, you know what, that's going to be a big deal. Because I've heard even this week from friends and people that I really love that are upset with God or upset with the way things are. And the question comes out, well, if God's all-powerful and if God is all-loving, then how can there be a devil? And this book goes in and begins to, to tear apart the thread of thinking that causes us to be offended with God. And so um, anyone that has a horrible background, anyone that's been abused or you, you've been in that place where you're saying, why suffering? Do I need to switch or are we good? Switch? Keep talking? Okay. Um, why suffering? Why? First of all, God didn't do this. So if we're angry, let's point our anger in the right place. We're angry at the enemy, the devil. He's the one that does this. He's the one who steals, kills, and destroys. Amen? God absolutely hates our suffering. As a matter of fact, Jesus suffered so he could know exactly and feel what we feel so that he could stand with God and say, don't let him suffer. Not that God's letting us, but he's saying, don't let this happen. He's interceding for us. So to be upset with God or Jesus or Holy Spirit because of suffering is, is a, it's really a fence with God. It's not, it's not anything else. But one thing that's really cool that he says is that for people to ask the question, well, if God is good and if God is powerful, then why is there suffering? It means that people believe in their heart that people deserve to be treated well. It means that down deep, everyone, atheists, Christians, if we say, why is there suffering in the world? It means that we're asking the question, People deserve to be treated well. People deserve love. Well, that's the heart of God. And so at that very core, if, if you're an atheist, then don't ask the question because it doesn't matter if there's an answer. For an atheist to say, why is there suffering in the world? Well, what does it matter to you? It doesn't matter. But for a Christian to say, why is there suffering? It connects us to the whole Bible that says we were here to take away the suffering of the world. It connects us to our part, what we're supposed to do. It takes away from the, the, the victim mentality that says, oh God, here, help us out. And it, it, it connects us, it marries us to the Father who says, you go and heal the sick. You go and cleanse the lepers. You cast out demons. You bind up the brokenhearted. You preach the good news to those that are poor. You proclaim the freedom to the captives. And so... For us to be offended at God and say, God, why are you allowing suffering? What we have actually done is we have divorced ourselves from our responsibility. And this book will help with this. I haven't even read it yet. I bought it because I wanted, uh, there's someone specific that I'm going to hand it to. I want them to read it because of their background. I feel like it will help answer questions. And so um, when they're done with it, I'll hand it out to anyone else who wants to read it. Um, Why suffering? You, You know on the list? Yes. You know what? You're here today. You go ahead and take it. And then we'll bring it back. <laughs> yeah, good. But why suffering? 
You good? Ravi Zacharias, look him up. Amazing man. Uh, he, he was on, I think he just celebrated 40 years ago. He was about to kill himself and God rescued him. And he just tweeted the other day, I think it was Friday, it was his 40th anniversary from the day he was going to kill himself to when God rescued him and made him a minister of the gospel to the world. And so, uh, amazing person. Uh, so I encourage you to look him up. You guys all right? All right, let's just jump into this. Um, open your Bible to Romans 12 and 2 Corinthians 10. And we're going to do that really quick. Um, I'm going to tie up some stuff from last week. Good stuff. Romans 12 and 2 Corinthians 10. All right. All right, I want to ask a question before we get started. Last week we asked everyone to start asking the Lord to give us a sozo a week. How many, how many remember that? How's that going? Did you forget? If not, let's start again. It's okay. We can get going. Our goal is to ask the Father to go deep into our heart, for us to just rip our heart open and say, God, here's my heart, open, naked, right before you, whatever you want, do what you need to, and let him begin to reveal and heal us. The word sozo is a Greek word that means save, heal, deliver. And so what, what I've been doing over the last month or, or six weeks or so is asking God every week to give me a sozo. Um, nothing's off limits. I told the testimony last week of how I went to Starbucks and didn't want to have any conversation with anyone, and I gave a fake name to the barista, and she's drawn on the thing. I gave her the fake name Billy because I didn't want her to talk to me. I didn't want any relationship with her, and her immediate response to me was, do you have a Mandy in your life? And I was like, oh, God, what, are you, what in the world? I don't want to talk to this lady. You went really intimate. You told her my wife's name. Well, she was talking about a TV show. Oh, because Billy and Mandy from some TV show. But the language of the Spirit was God saying, I want, I want people to be intimate with you. I want you to have a relationship with people. And that's part of the sozo is, is me opening my heart and letting people in. And, and so those are little things that have been going on, the sozos. Um, what I have found that I get sozoed the most when I'm helping someone else. It's just true. I've had many meetings lately with different people and from different issues that are going on, and they've asked for advice, and so we're talking, and as I'm talking, as the Lord's ministering to them, He's, he's ministering to me. And I think a lot of us, if, if we get away from ministering to other people, we really miss the opportunity to be strengthened in ourselves as we do the Lord's work, because it just happens. And so I just encourage you, ask the Lord to give you a sozo every week. Let him pick the topic. Don't tell him the topic. And when we do sozos here, we say, what did you come into this sozo with that you would like to leave without? Well, this is the way we're doing it. God, nothing's off limits. Whatever you want to deal with, that's fine with me. And then he'll go there and he'll heal us. And so have a sozo every week. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> All right, Romans 12. Let's go to verse 1. Um, we read this last week and we're just going to pick it up from there. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
And then here's, here's where we are today. We talked about transformation, and so we're going to keep it up. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be ever say transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, perfect will. <clears throat> Repentance is the changing of our thinking. When Jesus came and preached, and when John the Baptist before Him said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He literally was saying, change the way you think. Because if you don't think differently, this kingdom that's coming is going to be so foreign to you, you won't understand it and you will miss it. Which is why many of the teachers of the law missed it. Because they were so ingrained in their, in their way of thinking about the law. And their, their, they thought, I know it all. I understand. I know the law. I mean, we're Abraham's kids. There's nothing else we can learn. They took on this attitude and they didn't shift in their mind. Maybe there's something I don't know or maybe there's more to the story than I've, I've heard. Because of that, when Jesus stood right in front of them, they wanted to kill him. And they plotted his whole life to kill him because they didn't shift and change the way they think. And so true transformation. And last week you kind of heard my heart's cry is for us to be transformed. If we're not being transformed, then what are we doing this for? If our life doesn't look different from day to day, week to week, month to month, then what, what service does Christianity have for us? What, what does this relationship with God even mean? And I love, someone said this, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis or someone that says, if, if we're converted and we don't become different, then I question our conversion. If we really say we have Jesus living inside of us and His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness living inside of us, and, and things don't change, and we're not transformed, then we didn't have an encounter with Jesus. It's impossible to touch Him and to be touched by Him and not be changed. And so I'm hungry for transformation. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to think the same way I've always thought. I don't want to hear scriptures and go, oh, I know that. Well, I'm, a, I'm a church kid. I've heard that a million times. I know that. I don't want to hear sermons and be like, oh, I've heard that before. I don't need to hear this today. I, you know, I, I don't want to have that attitude. This is why well, I've already, well, then I've already capped my, my revelation level. I'm already there. I'm full. I'm as full as I can go because I've said, I know it. I'm good. I want to be a novice. I want to be like a little kid that's, I don't know anything. And the older I get, the more I realize I don't know anything, right? <laughs> But true repentance is that change in our thinking. <clears throat> but transformation is the renewed mind. It's the renewing of our mind. Our mind is either being renewed or it's at war with God. Now, let me just, I'm going to break this down really plain because I feel an urgency in my spirit for the people of the Bridge Church and the Bridge Church. I feel an urgency. For myself, for everyone included, and the church as an organization itself. That if we don't become transformed, and that if we don't have the renewed mind, then we're wasting our time. And I'm, I'm not going to waste my time. How many feel that way? I, don't, I, don't, I, just, I only have so much. I'm not going to waste it. Right? How many feel that way? Honestly. You have one life. That's it. One life. What are we going to do with it? And so either our mind is being renewed and we're beginning to think with the mind of Christ or our mind is at war with God. There is no in-between ground. I'm either beginning to think like Him or I'm at war with His thoughts. And what happens is 
much of the controversy and much of the, the difficulties that we face as Christians have nothing to do with the enemy, but have everything to do with our mind being at war with the purposes of God. And because our mind is at enmity with God, it stirs up strife in our life. It's not because the enemy is just like we're such a, a spiritual giant and warrior that he's devoting all his attention to us. It's because our mind is in friction with the mind of Christ and it causes difficulties. And so you and I have to take assessment of our life and say, am I thinking, Father, am I thinking like you in this area? It may be the area of finances. If we think in the area of finances with the opposite mind of Christ, then we're going to suffer friction and issues in there of the, that comes with the poverty mindset because it's that enmity with God. And the, the simple solution is to stop thinking with the poverty mindset and turn on the mind of Christ. And so, so I want us, Sunday morning sermon, I know that you don't walk away and remember everything said. I don't walk away and remember everything said. I understand that. But my desire is that it stirs up inside of us a purpose. And it stirs up something, a, a topic, um, an, a target for us to go to the Lord later, later Sunday and for the rest of the week and say, God, what do I need to adjust? What do you need to shift in my life? What, what needs to transform? What areas do I have poverty mindset? What areas am I not thinking with the mind of Christ? How am I at odds with you? I've, I've gone through seasons of my life where I was fighting against the will of God and I found myself on a sick bed for two weeks with sores all through my mouth and through my nose and I lost over 25 pounds because I could not eat and I could not drink. And it had nothing to do with an attack from the enemy. It had everything to do with I was at odds with the will of God for my life and I was in rebellion I didn't know it in the, the moment, but I quickly learned after you can't eat or drink anything for two weeks and your mother has to bathe you, literally, because you're so weak and sick. Something's going on here, God. This is not physical only. I was at odds with God and my body was fighting a battle because my spirit didn't come into submission with what God's will was for my life. How many have ever gone through a season, maybe not that crazy or drastic but you've gone through a season where man why was this last season so difficult man the devil must I, I must be doing something really good because the devil's fighting me maybe so that's very possible the devil may be like man you're on the good track i'm gonna fight them really hard because they're on a good track but there's also the possibility that we were at odds with god in the way we think and it created unnecessary conflict when i was younger as a, as a young leader, I liked to, let's have conflict. Let's fix it. Conflict. Let's just resolve it. Let's fix it. Let's not let it go on. Oh, you had a bad attitude last Sunday? Well, let's deal with it right now because we're not going to wait till next Sunday. And you get a little older, you like less conflict in your life. Now, I'm, I'm not even really older yet, and I know it's going to become even more so the older I get. But I've heard my dad say, I just, I don't need the drama. I don't need the conflict. I'm too old for this. You got it? You can go somewhere else. I don't need the fighting. I don't need the arguing. We don't need to disagree. I don't care. I don't care enough about this topic for the conflict that comes. Right? So as mature Christians, some conflict is necessary because we're in a war. 
And in that conflict, the Lord is fighting for us. So it doesn't often feel, it doesn't feel like the other conflict, where it feels like we just want to not wake up the next morning. I have, I have never, never been in a conflict with the enemy to where I didn't want to wake up the next morning. I hate him. Like, when we were singing anchored today, I'm anchored in you. I'm, I'm putting my feet in the ground. I'm not backing down from the enemy. Like, that stirs up inside the believer. Oh, yeah? I'm, but whenever I'm in conflict because of resistance in my thinking toward the mind of Christ, that's when I don't want to wake up the next morning. That's when I'm, at, I'm, I'm miserable. Why? Not because of the enemy, but because I'm the enemy of God. What a miserable existence to be at enmity with God. To fix that, we have to be transformed through repentance into the mind of Christ. Amen? So we have to become aware of our patterns of thought. The people that know us best know our cycles better than we know our cycles. They know that we go through seasons and changes. Am I telling the truth? Oh, it'll, he'll be all right. He's just going through a time right now where he's frustrated. He'll be back in a week or two. We know. It's just kind of what happens. Beware of your own patterns in your life. Is there a cycle there where we're resistant to the mind of Christ, where we're resistant to the renewed mind, and we're at enmity with God? See, these unseen realities, the unseen world, the things of God and the things of the enemy, travel along our pattern highways. The, the patterns of thought that we have invite godly things or satanic things. The way we think, the patterns, not just a thought. You can have a bad thought and you're not a horrible person. It just get the thought out of there. All right. Ooh, why don't shake the Etch-A-Sketch and get it out of there, right? It's over. It's fine. You're, you're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. It was a temptation that came. You won because you kicked it out. Fine. Thought. But there are patterns of thinking that's more than just one thought. It's like the weaving of thoughts together, and it creates a highway that invites either godly help or satanic help. <clears throat> Unfortunately, when our, when our mind is not renewed, then we have decayed thinking. And you guys, we've talked about this years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was, but one of Satan's names is Beelzebub. Beelzebub was a, has a devil for him. Anyway, the word Beelzebub literally means Lord of the Flies. Some of you may have read the horrible book in school, Lord of the Flies. And whenever our thoughts are not renewed... They're decaying thoughts. They're worthless. They're trash. They stink. And they attract the Lord of the Flies. They attract Beelzebub. It's our thinking. He has no power within himself to make us think certain things. The devil cannot make us do anything. He can't. But I can think in a certain pattern to create a highway for him to come and jump along that highway and walk with me. So we have to be really careful and assess the patterns of thought that we have. Our thoughts are either renewed or they're decaying. If they're renewed, they attract heaven. They attract hope. They attract joy and comfort and peace and strength 
and courage and fill in the blank. If our patterns of thought are decaying, they attract the Lord of the flies and everything that comes with him. So the enemy only can build himself into the fabric of our life through strongholds of thought. The enemy tried to tempt Jesus. Just throw yourself down. But because Jesus had a pattern of thinking that was a renewed mind, it was the mind of God, it didn't matter what the enemy said to him. It didn't go in and find a place. It didn't find a highway for it to to flow freely on. It was completely dismissed and rejected. Now here's something that's really important. It's impossible for us to think about two things at the same time. Try it. You'll drive yourself crazy. Try to think about two things at the same time. It's also equally impossible to stop thinking about something. Did you know that? You cannot stop thinking about something. I'm going to talk about steak and mushrooms and mashed potatoes and fresh bread. Stop thinking about food. You can't. Stop thinking. The only way to stop thinking about something is to think about something else. Now think about the ocean. Ah, the beach. Now you're not thinking about food anymore. Oh, I mentioned food. Now you're back to food. (laughs) Yes, that's the perfect. Let's marry the two together. Sounds good. But it's the same way in our life. It's impossible to think with the renewed mind then also think with decay of thought. It's equally impossible to think with poverty mindset and think like a king you can't do one and the other at the same time if you want to read later in james james chapter one i'm going to read it now actually james chapter one verse two james one verse two i'm sorry i didn't tell you to go there earlier i didn't know for sure how i was going to do all this james one verse two says consider it all joy when you encounter various trials well thanks for that james i appreciate it (laughs) I appreciate the trials. It goes back to what we opened with in Psalm 84. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Yes, we have less value for endurance now than the generations before us. Yeah, the greatest generation ever. Many of them are are no longer with us, right? If they came today and saw the way we do life, I would believe one of the biggest things they would point out is you have no perseverance. You have no heart for hard work. You have no heart for, for future thinking and just sticking with it. Right? He's, so what builds endurance? Trials. Unfortunately, trials build endurance. I used to be an endurance runner. Now, from here to there, would be endurance running for me. <laughs> I used to run 17 miles, whatever. It didn't matter. I could run all day. I had a runner's heart. But the way I built up my endurance was I would try to run further the the next time than I did last time. And when we were training for races, our training was much more difficult than the race. If our race was a 12-mile cross-country race, we would train 20 miles. We would train 24 miles. We would do whatever we had to do so that our heart was ready for whatever the race called for. Because sometimes you get into a, an endurance race and the joker next to you wants to set an impossible pace. You have to be ready for all those kinds of things, right? And so endurance comes from trials. It comes from the testing of what we're capable of doing. A lot of us get frustrated 
at trials and testing, we think, God, why are you putting me through this? Why are you letting this happen? He wants us to know what our capacity is. He wants us to know what we're capable of. It's called integrity. That's what integrity means. It's to know the, the, the lengths, the depths, and the heights of your capacity. To know what you're capable of. And so if we don't go through trials and if we don't go through difficult seasons, we don't know what we're capable of. We're never tested. Amen? So consider all joy, everybody. When we go through trials, you're, you're going through training. You're finding out what you're made of. And you're going to be surprised at how strong you are. Right? The testing of your faith produces endurance. And he says, let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete not lacking anything. Verse 5. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask for God, who gives it generously, without reproach, and it will be given to him. And here we go. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For one who doubts is like a surf of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded unstable in all of his ways double-minded you can't have two thoughts at the same time here's here's the point all right in this season where we're crying out for transformation and we realize the key to transformation is a renewed mind we have to not be double-minded what i mean by that is not it doesn't mean two-faced it doesn't mean in front of some people we're this way, in front of other people we're that way. That's not what it means. It means giving ourselves to two different mindsets. One day I pursue this mindset, and then the next day oh, I'm going to try this mindset. And then the next day oh, I'm going to try this. Instead of finding the course that the Lord has set for us and staying on that, we're tinkering all the time. Hello? Listen. We're tinkering. Well, maybe I'll pray a little bit more, and then maybe I'll read a little bit more Bible, and then maybe I'll go to a little bit more church this month, and maybe, maybe I'll give offering, or maybe I'll be nice to someone that I really hate. Or, and we're tinkering all the time trying to create transformation in our lives instead of setting our hearts on a pilgrimage on the path and sticking to it. Did the Lord tell you to give all your money away? Then don't give your money away right now. Do what He told you to do. Did the Lord tell you to minister to the homeless? Then minister to the homeless. Did the Lord tell you to spend quality time with Him every day? Then do it. We all should do that. <laughs> Did He say you need to read a little bit more Bible right now? Yes, sir, Lord, I'll read more Bible. Did He say don't do this for this season? Then do it. But don't just start tinkering just because you're trying to find the correct balance. And if I just mix enough of this stuff in, I'll be transformed and change will happen in my life. That's not how change comes. The only way we can be changed is to have the renewed mind and begin to think with the mind of Christ. That means if the Lord said, hide yourself for a season, then hide yourself. I love a, a, a sermon I heard from, was it Chris Fallatin? 
And there was this young prophet, and everything he gave was, I mean, this kid was amazing. He was young, like 20 years old, and prophesied. He would give words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And everywhere he went, stuff would happen. I mean, crazy signs and wonders. And then he went to Chris one week, and he, and he says, I really feel like the Lord's telling me that it's time to be hidden in a cave. Like, there's a season that I'm supposed to be hidden. I'm not supposed to be out there in public. I'm not supposed to be brought up front, giving prophetic words. It's a hidden season for me. And Chris said, okay, if the Lord told you that, then that's a good word. Do what the Lord told you. So Chris is at a conference, right? And he gets a, gets a text message from a friend of his and says, hey, do you know so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, why? He's like, well, this kid, is he for real? And he's like, yeah, he's for real. This, he hears from the Lord. He's like, because he is giving prophetic words in the foyer right now. It's an amazing move of God happening. And so Chris immediately calls him and leaves him, hey, nice hidden season you're in right now. <laughs> Some t- and and you, you can listen to it on your own sometime. The, po- the point of the story is we can even do things the Lord wants us to do or they feel like Christian exercises. These are good, but the Lord didn't tell us to do them, so don't do them right now. Many times Jesus was fine with just walking by people until they cried out and the hunger was there. He's like, oh, I recognize hunger. I'm here to meet hunger. I'm not here to stir up hunger, but when I see hunger, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet it right now. And there's this thing that we do. We start tinkering and we start trying to figure out and do the Lord's work instead of just doing the one thing or the two things he told us to do. And it's because we're double-minded. We're not thinking with the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ says yes, sir, to him and does whatever he asks him to do, right? Those, those times of submission, those times of where we just say yes, sir, it creates an attraction between us and heaven. It creates a highway where heaven is, is enticed to come into our life and bring transformation. Amen? <clears throat> so we can't be double-minded and have a thought here, oh, you know in church culture, in, as pastors, a lot of times there's this, the newest and the greatest thing. It's the same way in business. What's the new business model? What's the new business plan? What can we do to shake our business up or shake our church up or whatever it is? Just do what the Lord told you to do for your business or for your church or for your family and do it with all of your heart, with singleness of heart, with singleness of purpose and passion, and do it until He gives new instructions. We will only find transformation in doing what the Father told us to do. That's it. Everyone hear it? Good? <clears throat> the, the problem with the double-minded and the multiple things is we never fully commit to one thing. And that's really a heart issue of never fully committing to something. Never fully committing to it. <clears throat> and he goes on, he says, this is why you're tossed by the waves and driven by the sea. Because you're not anchored to one thing. So in this, in this time, I've, if it's an important time for, for in every individual here and for our church to be transformed. It's important for us not to accept any thinking that isn't God's thinking. I love how Bill says it. I can't afford to have any thought in my head about me that God doesn't have about me. We cannot allow ourselves to think and go down these patterns of thinking that are at enmity with God. We've talked a lot over this last year of what it looks like to be on the Lord's side. And Jesus says, if they're with me, then they gather. If they're not with me, they scatter. 
We've heard all these teachings and we've added all this stuff up. We know now what the kingdom looks like. Amen? How many know what the kingdom looks like or what the characteristics of the kingdom should be? Well, let's fall in line with the Lord and say yes, sir, to Him. And let's allow Him to change the way we think. I'd love to dig more into this and we'll do it some other time. But I know one of, one of the things that I do, and it's easy to do with everyone else, it's hard to do with yourself, is when I hear patterns of thought that aren't lining up with the kingdom, man, an alarm goes off with me, and I want to fix it. I'm, I want to teach and say, hey, wait, why are you thinking this way? What's going on? I think um, sometimes on Facebook, I'll make messages that are just like, what does that even mean? I'll just say it, send it to people, and I'm just trying to shift the thinking, and sometimes it's hard to do that for ourselves, you know? Amen? But if you sense something, if it just feels odd, like there's a pattern of thought or there's a reaction to a situation and just ask the Lord, Lord, is that the way you would react? Is that how you think about this thing? Because if it's not, then we're at war with him. Everyone okay? Everyone still good? It's hot in here. I'm, I'm hot. I don't know if you are. Second Corinthians 10, we'll read this and we'll close. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war the way the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. To demolish strongholds. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. That is what, that's the way Jesus ministered to his disciples. When they would rise up in a way of thinking that was wrong, he said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware the leaven of the Sadducees. And they would be like, oh, we didn't bring bread. He's like, no, 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 no. Beware of the thinking of the Pharisees and the thinking of the Sadducees. I love Reagan's answer a couple of weeks ago when we were teaching. And we said, why are miracles important? And her answer was, miracles are meant to cause us to think differently about things and to see things differently. And that is when the kingdom of God comes to earth. When we have an encounter with God, we should be transformed. Amen? We should be transfigured into His likeness. That is... That encounter of transformation should cause us to think differently about things and see things in a different way. Which means when he says to his disciples, don't say, don't reason within yourself, why don't we have any bread? Did you know, have you forgotten the, the loaves and the fish? You're, you're, you're not allowing my encounters with you to change the pattern of thinking that you have. And I feel the Lord saying that to us, and we'll close with this, is we've had encounters with Him. We've had moments of transformation and shifts. And, and those things have not yet taken full root inside of some of us, inside of probably all of us, to the point to where when anything happens now, oh, I think from a different perspective. It's, it's, a, it's minding our business, minding um, our thought life. A lot, of us, a lot of us, you know, you can think like 1,500 words a minute. I mean, thoughts are constant. So it's important to, to, to measure the patterns of our thinking. How do we react when we get bad news? How do we react when the bill is more, more than we thought it would be? 
Oh my gosh, why did we use so much heater this month or whatever it is? How do we react? Do we freak out? Do we, do we throw a fit? Do we, God, why did you let, the, what, what is our pattern of thinking when difficulties come? You want to be transformed? You want to think with the mind of Christ? You want to see things differently? Because that is going to be the most attractive thing to the world. When we see things from the way God does, and, we're, and we transform others because we're transformed. So you can stand, and we're going to pray into this. So here's how we'll pray. If it applies to you, I want you to ask the Lord to reveal strongholds of thought. And then I want you to pull them down. It may not happen all right now. It may be homework. But we're going to pull the threads of those strongholds until they have nothing left to stand on. And then instead of stopping thinking about that or thinking that way, we're going to put a better thought in its place. There's going to be an exchange that takes place. Amen? Father, we ask that you would search us. Holy Spirit, search us. Go to the deepest place in our hearts. Show us the patterns of our thinking. We don't want to be enemies with you. We don't want to fight against you. So we pull down strongholds. Change the way we think, God. Teach us to think differently. Amen? Teach us to think differently, God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Sozo our thinking, God. Why don't you declare, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. We break off old patterns. We break off old thinking. We remove the decayed thought and we get a better thought. I want to challenge you. A sozo a week and pursue transformation. Sunday, Sunday isn't all there is to it. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And the sooner we figure that out, then the bridge church will be transformed. It's not just Sunday. It's not just game day on Sunday. You don't just show up. We're not just fans that show up on game day. The, the players beat their bodies into submission all, every day of the week. So that they can perform well on game day. So please don't. My dad used to have a term. He called it SMO. Because back then we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night. And we had Wednesday and we had Saturday prayer. We had all. He said don't be a SMO. Sunday morning only. <laughs> Christian. Don't, be a, don't, don't do Sunday morning only. Have a secret place of your own. 
have a, a church in your prayer closet, in your car, in your house. Seriously. Otherwise, we, it will stay the same. It will stay the same. Amen? If you need prayer for anything, you want to come to the front, we want you to. I mean, it's all about prayer and making an altar for the Lord, giving Him a target. Amen? Uh, we bless you. If you need prayer, we're here. We love you guys. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Have a great time with your families. We bless your time with your families. It'll be peaceful and fun. <laughs>